0: People Podcast where you'll find all of the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. I am so thankful that I get to do this show because I think that the conversations that we are having here are helping people to realize that the on-ramp or the barrier to entry to motivation is not as steep as they used to think that it was. Our goal here is to make motivation more accessible for the average people and for the regular people and I'll put myself in that category there's nothing extraordinary or supernatural about me but throughout my life as I've learned about how motivation actually works. And as I've realized that I do have motivation, regardless of what I might have thought in the past, I've been able to tap into that motivation and use it to accomplish some really cool things that I didn't think were possible before. And so that's my hope for you as you listen to this show, that you begin to recognize that yeah, I do have motivation and I can use that motivation to pursue the goals that matter most to me. I would encourage you to subscribe to the show if you haven't already done so. We release a new episode every Thursday and we would love for you to have easy access to those episodes each week when they come out. Today I am going to talk to my good friend Caleb Roach. Caleb and I have known each other for several years and I've gotten to see Caleb's life kind of unfold in the unique way that it has. And I've been able to witness some of these cool things that he's been able to accomplish. So I can't wait for you to hear his story and what he has to say about motivation and self-improvement and even responding to adversity, which is something that we all experience in life. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Caleb Roach. Caleb, it's so good to have you on the podcast, and I don't assume that most of my listeners know this yet, but you, intentionally or not, played a big role in this show actually starting. So when I first had the idea to start a podcast, I was actually going to do it with Caleb's older brother, Josh, who I've known for a while and is actually the person who Caleb and I met through. And so after Josh and I started talking about this idea, I happened to run into you at a coffee shop nearby where we both work and you told me about this platform called Podmatch where you get matched up with a lot of podcasts to go on as a guest and then I signed up for an account there that's where I get some of my podcast guests I've been able to go guest on some podcasts as well and then over time Josh and I we talked about doing the podcast together and then he was about to have a baby and decided that he needed to scale back his responsibilities a little bit but On my end, I was like, well, since Caleb showed me Podmatch and I can go find all of these guests on this platform, maybe I can do this solo. And then here we are now nine or 10 episodes in. So, yeah, whether you knew what you were doing or not, you kind of played a big role in this show getting off the ground.
1: Man, I'd like to make two notes. One, I'd like the royalties from any future uh, compensation that you receive from this <laughs> podcast. And two, this is going to be the worst episode, so we're not going to take any compensation from this one. <laughs> <laughs> this will
0: be a free episode. Yeah, everything yeah, else is a free be episode. behind a paywall from now on yep. so that I can pay Caleb his fair share. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. No. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm yeah, I've been looking man. forward to this one. Dude, this is going to be so fun. So it was cool. Obviously, you and I have known each other for several years now, but Just in kind of catching up before we started recording and talking about what the episode might be about, we realized that we have a lot of similarities and we also have a lot of areas where we're quite different in terms of how we work. And I'm sure we'll get to those as the episode goes on. But I want to start with your story because you're in this unique position where, you know, you started college at 17, you graduated at 20, had a master's degree at 22, And you're accomplishing all of these things. And then you have your consulting business. You're accomplishing all of these things that for a lot of people don't happen until much later in life. But, you know, first impression, you seem like a very motivated self-starter type person. You're too kind. I I hide things really good. (laughs) No,
1: it was uh, it's always been a drive of mine to have some some things done quicker in life than most because, you know, I didn't want to wait around and college is expensive. So why not get through it a little bit quicker? Um, so it definitely was kind of a a piece of my journey to kind of focus on that. But again, it's, it's definitely come with this challenges and again, the motivational side, it's kind of interesting to see the ebbs and flows and how you can truly survive no matter what through different stages of life or different seasons, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you talk about those ebbs and flows. So on your journey so far, what's that been like for you? What are some high points and some low points? Dude, there's been
1: a ton of high points and a ton of low points. So uh, we were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier. Um, So where I like really attribute my story beginning and really like excelling or kind of starting off of was I was working for this local real estate firm as uh, like kind of a real estate assistant. I gave myself this really cool title called Director of Operations. Like that may sound cool like me. super cool, super awesome. And uh, so I was getting paid a salary. Me and my wife Hadley had just gotten married. First house, we were, I think we were like nineteen at the time, uh, nineteen or twenty. Like, it's cool story. We got married like two years before we could drink alcohol <laughs> legally. <laughs> so at our uh, at our wedding, we couldn't. Uh, we had everyone drinking like sodas, not alcohol, yeah, sparkling grape awesome. juice. Uh, yeah, sparkling grape juice. So uh, we were super young, and we like I got. I've always dealt with pride in my life and I continue to deal with it, but it was one of those moments where I thought I was really cool and above the world. And I was, you know, 19 years old getting paid a salary and how cool is this? I didn't even have a college degree. I was finishing it up and God really humbled me very quickly. And so I remember, uh, it was, Like the first Friday of January, we had you know gotten back from Christmas. Kind of like you know, December is a big spending holiday because you're buying all these gifts, and it's always like really you know you're like, how did I spend so much money? So we get through January, and mind you, I'm like five months before I actually graduate with my degree. So I'm in this position that I'm getting a salary that I probably wouldn't be able to get without a actual college degree. And I walk in for uh, you know yearly planning for the next year. And there's two people in the room and they're like, Hey, effective today, we're going to have to let you go. Um, and with no notice and like no pay for past this day. So this is like a Friday on the first week of like January. So I went from like on top of the world to like, Holy cow, this is the lowest point I've ever been in my life. And so, uh, I'm like, how do I pay my mortgage? Like we have savings, but when you're 19 years old, you don't have six months of reserve set up. And so I'm like, man, what am I going to do? This is so scary. So I had kind of had this idea for starting a consulting firm. So I started my consulting firm very quickly and got connected with some really incredible people that um, really shaped who I am now because they were willing to take a chance on me and kind of take that opportunity of like making sure our bills were covered no matter what happened. Um so we had like two people that came in and like committed to a certain amount of hours per per month to make sure that we could like pay our bills and our mortgage which was huge. Um so I started my consulting business at like 250 bucks in a month like doing anything and everything for people on marketing. Um and so I like tried this marketing firm and then it moved me into like this like corporation that I got to work for and so I started getting this like high high level again where I'm like okay we're making money again like we're good. And before you know it, COVID hits, we're working from home and I'm kind of moonlighting on the side, like working on my consulting business. I'm like, we could do this full time. Um, So throughout that entire journey from start to finish, it's been uh, ebbs and flows and it continues to be ebbs and flows, as you know, like having a business, but it's been a really good teaching moment. And that's where I've learned over the, the time. And I think we're complete opposites on this piece, but on the motivation side, I've learned that my schedule and routine have to be adaptable for me. I'm an Enneagram three wing two. So I'm very prideful and I want to like impress people and be a people pleaser. So if I don't like finish my day to the the T that I've scheduled it for, I feel like I've failed the day, which
0: is really fascinating to me. Hmm. And there's so much there. First of all, thanks for you know sharing your story, <laughs> the good and the bad, but I think, I think the first thing that stands out to me is thinking about you at 19 years old, not even finished with college yet. You're on top of the world, but when you're up so high and you fall from that height, you fall a long way and you crash hard. And so you have no job, you have no severance, and then you decide to take another risk and start this consulting business. And so I'm curious, was there ever any point where you're like, am I making the right decision? Like, should I just look for another job? Or what was that process like? Every day. <laughs> Still every day, no. Um, it
1: was definitely a, a process where in the very beginning, the, the the stakes felt so low because at that point, like, what am I going to do? Go work for a job that I get paid like a certain amount of hour, you know, let's let's say minimum wage or I could probably get a little a little bit more, but when you've got a $1500 a month mortgage, I mean, like you're working pretty significantly to make that cover just for your mortgage. Um so there was definitely moments where I questioned whether I wanted to continue doing it and the late nights especially when so we were having a baby at the time, I was finishing my master's degree, I was working a full-time 40 hour per week job and I was traveling with that job plus running my consulting business. And so there was moments during that time that I'm looking and I'm like, why am I doing this? And what is the point? And now looking back, I'm so glad that I did that. And I'm so glad that we provide the security of like, I didn't j- just jump right into consulting right from like getting laid off um, full time. And so there was moments where I've questioned it and I still have those moments sometimes where I'm like you know that i don't know if you're experiencing this but as i continue to grow i feel like the problems continue to get a little bit bigger so mm-hmm. what i viewed as like this is a really big cliff that i have to get over and i'm going to you know like work really hard to get over this or this was a big problem i feel like the next problem is just a little bit higher and it's a really good challenge and it's a good teaching moment but the stakes are just a little bit higher and so the the decisions that i have to make are a little bit harder and so in my opinion like it it makes me question sometimes when I have those big decisions of like, is this really worth the decision or like being able to go to a job and walk away at five o'clock and not worry about it. Would it be worth going back to that at that point?
0: Hey, before we continue the conversation, I want to take a short break to tell you about my midweek momentum newsletter. If you're anything like me, you start the new week with a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. You're looking forward to what lies ahead and then the week starts and maybe something comes up that you weren't, expecting or maybe you just get tired from all of the demands that your week places on you. If this is something that you can relate to, go to my website at bradyross.com. That's b r a d y r o s s.com and sign up for my midweek momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday you'll receive a short email from me often based on the podcast guest from the week before and you'll hear a short quote or thought or inspiration that empowers you to finish your week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. After you you sign up you'll get a free instant preview of the introduction and first chapter of my book seven steps to dominate your day and crush your goals you'll learn how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish i'm not going to spam you you'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if for whatever reason you don't like the content but i think that you're going to find both the information in the newsletter and also the timing of it very helpful so i would encourage you to go and sign up again you can find all of that information on my website at s.com And we'll link that in the show notes as well. All right, back into the conversation with Caleb. Yeah, that's super interesting. So as you go throughout this process, and you can talk, you know, if you want to talk about when your business was growing, or if you want to talk more about it now, what do you learn about yourself and about what motivates you as you face these challenges? So I have learned a lot that I like to
1: withdraw when I get challenges. So to me, um, I pull back and I feel like the best response is silence um, when I'm faced with a challenge. So I like to internalize everything. And when I'm faced with a challenge or motivation, I feel like I have to pull back for a couple of days, craft a response, craft an idea in my mind of how I like overcome that challenge. And what I've slowly learned is I'm very, uh, very slow to react and I've had to ad- adjust that. So instead of calculating every single piece of a decision, I now have to just move forward and make the best logical decision for my myself. Um, and in addition, one of the things that I've learned is I've viewed motivation as what can I get done in a day or how productive can I be? But I've learned that like slowly shaping and I could be completely wrong here. But from my perspective, as I'm shaping it, it's what what actions am I completing this day? And how is it providing towards the purpose of getting something done in the future, not just how much I'm getting done that day?
0: No, I think that's spot on. And I was talking with someone earlier um, for another podcast episode actually about this idea of us imagining what we want to accomplish in the long term and then working backwards to accomplish those things because it's very easy for people to become reactive to whatever opportunities, whatever issues, whatever challenges present themselves on a given day. And I think that if you lean too hard into that, you begin to live very accidentally. You wake up in the morning and you don't know what's going to happen in the day. You're just going to react or respond to whatever comes your way. But if you have this idea like you're talking about of looking however far into the future, it could be a few months or a few years imagining what you want to be true at that time, and then thinking in terms of what you can do today to accomplish that, not only does that give you a greater sense of intentionality, but it makes things seem more attainable than before. And maybe you thought this way when you were starting your consulting business, maybe you didn't. But I would imagine that 19-year-old Caleb thinking, I need to start a consulting business that's going to pay all of my family's bills, that can feel very overwhelming. But if you break that down into, well, I need to get one more client or I need to build up this piece of my business. And here are some steps. Here are some things that I can do to make that happen. All of a sudden the on-ramp seems much more attainable than before.
1: When it's like a simple concept. um, I'm a perfectionist, so it like reduces the amount of things that I do. So we have like a project management software. So I will wait to put a task in there until I have like every line item that I have to do within that task. So we'll do like a task and a subtask. Um, and put like project completion. So I spend so much time worrying about completion time, how long it's going to take, when I need to do deliverables, when I should just throw it in there and make subtasks. But what the interesting piece is, is if you can correlate those subtasks with the actual task and slowly complete two to three subtasks of the full task, it makes the entire task so much easier. Because for my brain... I get overwhelmed with the idea of just completing one task because there's something that has to happen here. I have to complete this copy. I have to do that. But if I think about it from a structured approach of five different things that I have to complete, when I complete all five things, I'm done instead of thinking about all of these things that I have to complete that I Mm -hmm. don't like have calculated on my mind.
0: Yeah, I love that model. So you're talking about that from a work perspective, but does that influence your personal life or things that you do outside Mm -hmm. of work? Yeah. So in my opinion, uh I'm approaching
1: life with subtasks now in my life. <laughs> so I I'm I'm viewing the way that I do structure my mornings, afternoon, like early early mornings, mornings and then afternoons and evenings into four different categories or four different tasks and then I'm Breaking those out into subtasks of what things do I need to complete to be or feel accomplished during the day and what's going to drive me towards my overall goal for the year or for the quarter for the month, just in my personal life as well. Am I being like, you know, part one of the evening, am I being intentional with my family, you know, instead of just being like, I need to spend more time with my family. Am I being truly intentional about the time that I spend with them away from my phone, away from my computer, like making sure everything's put up instead of just saying, I need to spend more time with them. So I'm trying to utilize like the subtask approach to make sure that I can be intentional with everything that I'm doing
0: during those times. Yeah, that's so cool. Because again, I think that makes things more attainable and more realistic. It's not this abstract concept of, I need to spend more time with my family or I need to get in better shape or I need to get organized. But it's am I doing the specific things and am I taking the steps that will help me reach that larger goal? Yeah.
1: And have you found so within your your motivational cycle, have you found that you do kind of the same things on a daily basis or how do you structure your schedule?
0: Yeah. So this is kind of something we were talking about before. Right. (laughs) And this is where I feel like we're similar in a lot of ways. You mentioned being an Enneagram three. That's my dominant as well. I think that I tell people sometimes that I switch back and forth between a three and a seven, depending on the day. But if I were if I were to take the assessment, it would say that I'm a three. And I think where we're different is I'm very ritualistic. I'm very structured in my approach to my life and to my tasks. And I mean, like we talked about, I wrote a book on the seven things that I do every day to move myself forward and accomplish my goals. But I think that Although I would say that we're both successful. You're probably more successful than me. (laughs) Um, But although we're both successful, you have a very different approach to how you go about each day. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what's interesting is, I don't know if
1: you felt this as like an Enneagram 3, but I feel like when I'm scrolling through social or TikTok or different channels and I'm seeing all this content about how people are very motivated or how they stay on task, it seems like this very template-based approach of like, you know, you wake up, it's like the joke. I don't know if you've seen the video where it's like the joke where it's like, I woke up at 2 a.m., I flew across to New York. uh, I, you know, and then I took vitamins and I did this and then I flew back to Miami. And then I, you know, I went to bed for two hours and then I I restarted the day. Like, it feels like the content is very specific around you have to do these certain things to be successful. And as we know, every individual is different. And so you have to adapt your strategy
0: around that person, in my opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And it broadens the idea of motivation to where someone, and this is really part of my heart for doing the podcast is I want people to see that motivation is something that we can all tap into. It's not something that you can only have, or you can only claim if you're the type that wakes up at two and takes vitamins and, you know, does all of these things before everybody else wakes up for the day. Um and I lost my train of thought there. But yeah, this idea of motivation, not just being a one size fits all approach, but being something that we all have, we just have in different ways. And so as you look at your own motivation and consider how it's different from the norm, tell us more about that and specifically about how that works for you. It's weird. It doesn't make sense in my own brain sometimes. So
1: I... Um... I ebb and flow, but my main productive cycles are super early in the morning and super late at night. Um, So it's kind of an unpopular approach. But if you look at my sleep tracker right now, I average between four to five hours of of sleep a a night. Um, So typically I start the morning around like four to 6 a.m. in the morning. Um, I get my daily tasks completed, kind of like make sure I read, um, maybe journal a little bit and get some of my core tasks done, maybe working out. And then I spend a pretty good chunk of time actually working and getting things done with breaks, like see family. And then typically my wife and my kids go to bed probably around like, let's say 10 o'clock on average. Um, And then I use the extra 10 to like 12 o'clock to get additional work done that I haven't done for the night um, to make sure I go into the next day feeling accomplished and ready for the day. That is strange. I... And I
0: love that it works for you. But I don't know if <laughs> you're I've like, this is the else. worst
1: idea uh, possible.
0: Because <laughs> you feel like most people are either early birds or night owls. And then we're looking at you and you're both. Those are your two most productive times of day. Yeah. And it's really strange. And
1: it's probably terrible for my overall health. Like, you know, I've gone through different. Um, I found it really interesting. Part of my journey, too, that I, I left out was um, I've learned to be effective and productive because if you aren't and you don't take care of your body, it can be really detrimental to your, your actual, like overall, like health, both mentally and physically. So I went through a period, um, a year and a half ago where I was, I was diagnosed with like heart palpitations and it was like irregular heartbeats. And so I thought this was because something was going wrong with my, my body or like there was something health wise, but what I found out was it was anxiety related. So it was Mm -hmm. because I was not taking care of my body I was working way too much, unstructured. like I felt like it was an accomplishment to me to work 10 to 12 hours a day and tell people like I work 10 to 12 hours a day. And instead of actually like focusing on what I accomplished during those those hours, it was more around the time that I actually worked. Um, so what I learned from that was, I have to be very structured in the work that I do and be very cognizant of my body that when it's shutting down, I have to be very careful because at one point it can be really detrimental to your health as well. Mm-hmm. So shifting back to that, I there would probably be people who are like, you probably need to get more sleep than that. But with kids, like it can be sometimes really difficult to make sure that you're in bed by a certain time, um, depending on if you do like sleep training or not. Um, And then sometimes they wake up super early. So your body starts to learn a little bit more. And for me, that's been kind of like a key advantage that I've kind of, I kind of tried to lean into of if my kids are up or like, this is the amount of sleep that I'm getting. I'm going to use that to the best of my abilities until my body starts telling me no And maybe
0: in two years, I'm going to say completely opposite of that. You should do that. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like you've found success in being a little more adaptive or a little more agile. And then the other thought that I have as I hear you talk is this idea of deliberate practice, which is a core value in one of the organizations that I'm doing some contract work with right now. It's this idea that you don't need to work endlessly or have grit without any sort of meaning or purpose in order to move towards your goals like work just for the sake of working is meaningless but you need to figure out what is the best way that i can maximize whatever time i put into a task it can be an hour it can be 10 hours what can i do during this time that's going to best move me towards my goal yeah and i i think something to be noted
1: is i think it depends truly on the environment because the reason why it works for me to work as early and late as I work is because for my profession, if I'm running my business and I'm serving clients, like I'm still in the delivery phase of our clients. So we don't have we have salaried employees, but we're not at the stage where I have like a team of 35 underneath me. So for me, I'm still in meetings probably three to five hours a day at least. I'm still working on delivery. So between an eight hour period, I don't have I only have enough time to do meetings in like the actual delivery side. And then if you think about the business side, you've got to pay taxes, you've got to make sure your payroll's up to date, you've got to make sure your systems and processes are built out, you've got to make sure you're billing clients on time. So it's like one of those outside of vendor environmental facts, like I probably push myself too much in the business side. But you know what I'm saying? like It's, it's one of those things that you adapt and it's just a season of life until you can hire someone to handle your payroll for you or your HR or those different mm. types of things
0: yeah, and I think it's one thing. This may be a little bit of a tangent, but I think people need to remember this about service providers is when you pay them, like if you pay Caleb to do consulting or if you pay me to do coaching, and that hourly rate seems steep, it's not just the hour that you're paying for. You're paying for the delivery, and then you're also paying for all of the backstage work that happens. I'm onboarding a coaching client right now and I'm thinking about all of the work that we did to, you know, get together, introduce ourselves, do the intake, do the paperwork. And then I don't bill until that first hour of coaching, but that doesn't mean that that's the first time that I'm working. So I know that's a little bit of a tangent, but I'm sure that's something you would preach wholeheartedly it. agree
1: with. Amen. Preach it. <laughs> yes, preach it.
0: <laughs> well, Caleb, we're just about out of time. I've got a couple more questions to ask. So based on your experience, you know what you've been through with losing your job, starting your business, even some of what you've learned about how you best work, what are one or two pieces of advice that you would give someone who is maybe in a similar situation to what you've been through and is now searching for the motivation to keep going.
1: I always like the analogy. I'm going to botch this. So we're going to need a little grace here. So (laughs) We could uh, always edit if it goes poorly. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Nix this out. Uh, So (laughs) the analogy that I've seen recently that I felt like rung true really well was like the analogy of a heart monitor. So if you're watching the heart, like you have moments where you're continuing to go up and you continue to go down. And what happens is if you're flatlining on that heart monitor, that's not a good thing. And so you're going to have the constant ebbs and flows and the the spikes and the decreases. And so for me, from a motivational standpoint, it feels like one of the most relevant motivational pieces, like analogies in my brain that I can comprehend of when you're on those high peaks of life, like when you're the salaried employee that's making more than you'd want. And you've got the house. And then the moment when your life gets completely like bottomed out and you're at the very core of that, that's normal in life. Like that's what you face every single day or every single quarter. And so for me, for motivation, it can feel so difficult to be on that high horse and drop and have the motivation to pull yourself back up. But as you continue to climb up from my personality, it seems like it's been so, it, it gets easier as you're climbing because you're starting to see success so it's this constant, I'm climbing, I'm climbing, I'm making these waves, I'm getting to the top and then the top bottoms out again and then you're climbing, climbing, climbing again and maybe some up and down. And so for me, that analogy was so, so powerful because it's like, if I'm staying constant and just doing status quo, it seems like it's kind of cool, but at the end of the day, like it does not lead to like over like not overall success, but continued growth, which we're all searching for. Um. So again, I I might have botched that analogy, but in my mind, like it's so powerful and it rings so true.
0: Oh, absolutely, and it definitely resonates with me based on my life experience. I've realized that that's something that we all experience. We don't often talk about it, and I think that we should. And I'm trying to embody that by sharing more frequently about my own experience with the peaks and the valleys and specifically I think about almost four years ago now when I lost my job very suddenly and I remember that day my wife and I were on the road driving back up to Oklahoma and this Thomas Rhett song comes on called Up and the song essentially says you can never go up if you haven't been down um, trying to remember the rest of the lyrics right now I'll botch it as well but <laughs> <laughs> but go look up that song if you're listening. Um, if you've never been lost, you can't be found. Things like that. Just reminding us that without the lows in life, you can't experience all of the just grandeur and the... I'm I'm losing my words here now. You can't experience the highs to the same degree. So yeah, I think that's such a good reminder.
1: I think it's a good point. And the other thing that I've learned is... There's typically someone that's been in your situation before. It seems really scary when you get in those moments, but the amount of people that have lost their job, like, I mean, we've just connected that, like we have a similar story in that piece and you feel like you're the biggest failure in life. You feel like you're the only one that's ever gone through this. You've made the biggest mistake. You've done X. But if you look back, everyone's had those situations. It just might be a different form, but they've all gotten through it. They, we just not, might not talk about it so often, you mm-hmm. know, and that's really fascinating to me as well. So those would be my like two key points that who knows if they're helpful or relevant, but in my right. mind, they they really
0: help. No. And that's the encouragement that I would give someone if they're listening to this and they're in the middle of one of those hard seasons, it can feel so isolating, but I think it's, and this is my second time to quote Ted Lasso on the podcast. Um, but I remember in one Ted Lasso episode, he says, there's one thing worse than being sad and it's being alone. And so if you feel sad, don't be alone (laughs) because like we're saying, there is someone out there who has experienced what you've gone through and they may not have all of the answers, but sometimes that support from another person can mean even more than understanding or clarity about what you're going through. So Oh, 100%. So well, so well. (laughs) Kayla, this has been a fantastic conversation. Before we wrap up, tell us a little more about what you do with your consulting business and where people can find you and learn more about you. Yeah. So we help businesses build better marketing strategies by providing really cool
1: strategies and insights around marketing. Um, So they can go on our LinkedIn. Uh, It's Kayla Broach MBA, and I love connecting with people. Send me a message. And then we have a website, uh, Consulting.com, C-R-O-C-H-E consulting.com. And you can learn all the boring things
0: about us on there as well. (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, We'll put that in the show notes as well. Caleb, anything before we wrap up? Uh I think everyone should hire you cuz
1: I've been inspired on this on this podcast. So <laughs> I think I think we need to plug the Brady Ross coaching
0: program 2.0, right? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to talk about how much better you were at golf than me. So I appreciate that endorsement. No, we today. talked about
1: this. We don't talk about my golf game cuz it's just <laughs> we got to progressively worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We we do need to schedule a golf round on that note. So I think this is motivation for us to go hit the link sometime.
0: Man, absolutely. I'm down. Hey, thanks for being here, Caleb. <laughs> thanks so much. Appreciate it. So this episode went longer than many of our other episodes have gone. Thank you for sticking with us through this entire conversation. I'm so grateful for Caleb sharing his time with us and being very open about both the high points and the low points in his story. I love how he talked about the way that he approaches tasks and how he has to guard himself against waiting to start something until he feels like it is perfect but instead having this approach of taking a larger task or goal and breaking it down into smaller chunks or portions and using that to always propel himself forward i think that that is a mindset that we can apply to really anything that we want to do you can use it for health goals like if you want to run a marathon that doesn't have to be your goal starting off your goal can be to run one mile three days a week and then you look for continual opportunities to do more and increase your effort and over time you'll get to that place that may seem unattainable right now you can use it for business or work goals i think about when i decided to write my book you know i never had write a book anywhere on my to-do list but i knew that that was what i wanted to do and so i looked for ways to break that down into smaller chunks, whether it was writing a chapter, or researching an idea, or asking someone for feedback on some of the content that I was working through. This is really such a great way to imagine what we want to be true several months or years down the road, and then thinking about how can we work backwards and take small steps to make that dream or that idea a reality i feel like that's something that is applicable to all of us regardless of what we do or where we are in life so i would challenge you to with that idea in mind think about something that feels like a lofty goal or maybe feels unattainable right now and then imagine you know what's the first step that i can take towards that goal what's one thing that i can do today to help make that dream a reality and if you're able to continually do that more often than not you're going to find that things that maybe before seemed Hard or impossible or too difficult for you to ever imagine, all of a sudden, those things are going to become much more realistic than you ever thought they could be. Anyways, thanks for tuning into the show today. Please subscribe if you haven't already done so. If you think that this episode or this podcast is going to be beneficial for someone else, please share that. Encourage them to listen in on what we're doing here, and hopefully, over time, we can grow this audience and help more people tap into the motivation that they already have inside of them. Because remember, as we say every week, you already have all of the motivation that you need and it's up to you to decide what you will do with it.